Hi friends! Are you guys planning on going to the G3 conference coming up on September 21st until the 23rd? Well, you guys can get a 30% off when you use our discount code G3OPEL. G3OPEL. You can register now by going on the link here in the description. I can't wait to see you guys there. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bucklew. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening or watching to our podcast. I would love to stay connected with you guys. And the way that we can do that is by following us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, um, basically everywhere. <laughs> And you can do that by going on the links here on the, on the description. Uh, that's the way that we can all stay connected, even if you have prayer requests or um, even if you want to share your testimony on our podcast, you will be able to find our email uh, here in the description as well. It's always a joy to, to be able to um, come to you guys through this podcast every other Tuesday at 9 a.m. or whatever time you guys are listening <laughs> to this uh, to this episode. And today we have another special guest. I met her through social media, but mostly through um, through the summer uh, because she was also part of the uh, Open Hearts in a Closed World Conference, uh, which is by my dear friend Brooke Bartz. And uh, she was one of the speaker for this conference. And um, today we have Susan Heck. And just a little bit about Susan. She was married for about 46 years to her beloved husband, who was also a pastor. And uh, he was a faithful pastor for about 50 years. And he went to be with the Lord in August of 2021. Susan has been uh, involved in women ministry for about 40 years or so, and this included teaching Bible studies, counseling, and heading up ladies with the Master's Women Ministry at Grace Community Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Susan is also a certified uh, counselor with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselor since 2003. She is also the author of With the Master Bible Studies for Ladies. And you can find more about Susan on her website, and the link is here for you guys in the description. But it's also my goal that we get to know her more uh, today as we listen to her testimony, uh, just being, you know, a pastor's wife, and even now that she's a widow, and how the Lord continues to use her uh, to serve his kingdom. So again, thank you guys so much for just supporting us and for listening and um, even sharing with your friends. Um, I pray that this is an encouragement to you. And well, here is my conversation with Susan. Hello, friends. And I am here now with Susan. Uh, thank you so much, all of you, for joining us today on this episode. And Susan, thank you so much for joining me on this episode as well. Well, you're welcome. It's been a joy. It'll be a joy to do it, hopefully. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just such a blessing to remember our testimonies, right? And just think back on everything that the Lord has done in our lives and just think where we are today and where we were before. So I think it's always a blessing just to remember that. And I enjoy personally just uh, listening to the testimonies of so many believers. And it's it's truly a joy to me. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a joy to see how God uh, rescues us from darkness and uh, shines the light in our hearts. So it's a blessing. 
Yeah, it is. Um, so I normally like to have my guests just kind of think back about their upbringing, you know, their families, like where you grew up and where you raised in a believing home. And please feel free to share as much as you like. Yeah, sure. Um, I was born in Wisconsin, Oshkosh, and uh, moved to Oklahoma, where I live now when I was three. My father was a graduate of the Moody Bible Institute back way back. And so he began a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I pretty much have lived in Oklahoma all my life and grew up in a minister's home, one of seven children. And um, so I grew up always hearing about the gospel and uh, Christ and his word. My dad was a really good expositor of scripture. He went verse by verse through books of the Bible and his great love was eschatology. So grew up hearing a lot about the Lord's return and uh, which always frightened me as a child and probably should have <laughs> so because I was not prepared. But um, so anyway, that was, uh, you know, growing up in a minister's home was very, with seven of us children on a minister's salary back then was challenging at times. And so we had very little. Um, I grew up with I think two dresses in my closet and switch them out for Sunday and shared a room with my three other sisters. So we had four room, four girls in a room, three boys in the other room. And um, so we grew up very simply and uh, with very little, but we had um, family in our church. And so I was very privileged to be able to do that. My dad was uh, also founded a Christian school and was on television for years and years, had a program uh, on, he was, where he would be preaching the Bible, so was very blessed. He just passed away about five years ago, and lived to be about 96, I think it was, so faithful man, so yeah. So, and just thinking back, you know, your parents being so faithful to the Lord, and serving the Lord, how do you remember them just teaching you guys about sin, and confronting sin in your lives at a young age well my father was really more the the disciplinarian and the uh, trainer I my mom I um I'm sorry to say I'm not really sure my mom is a was a believer she um they were married for 34 years and after 34 years of marriage she left without anyone really knowing and we didn't hear from her for a while and her life after that really proved that of an unbeliever. Um, I talked to her about it and didn't go well, but I'm not sure if she will be in glory. Uh, my dad remained faithful to the end. Um, but anyway, so I don't remember much biblical training from her, but my dad definitely. Um, the Lord was always in conversation. Um, he would... Uh, remind us often of our biblical responsibilities and uh we were you know told pretty much you know <laughs> we were to be obedient my last banking I remember I was I think it was about five or six and I lied to my father about that my brother had sliced me on the face with a knife which was a lie <laughs> so anyway he uh he spanked me pretty good for that and that was my last spanking I after that I was like man I never want I'm never going to lie again. Not that I haven't, but you know what I mean? So they, we were to, you know, obey the spoken word with the joyful heart. And uh, so they taught us work ethic. Uh, they taught us, my mom did teach us that um, she was a good mother. Not, I'm not faulting her at all. She was a, 
very conscientious mother. She managed her home well. She reared us, uh, you know, taught us good things. But I just don't remember much spiritual input from her as much as I did my father. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So that's kind wow. of good. Sorry, what, how old were you when your mom left, uh, left you guys? I was uh, just gotten married. So I was about 20. Their divorce was final on my 21st birthday. And I remember it really was devastating to me. Mm-hmm. So I had been married and had a baby. And um, so I was, it was very heartbreaking to me. Um, so uh, we ministered a lot to my dad because she moved out to California and my dad stayed in Oklahoma. So we became my dad and I, my daddy and I became even closer than we already were. I was definitely a daddy's girl. So <laughs> anyway, uh, so we uh, truly, you know, reached out to him and he became a, a big part of our life after that. So anyway, that was devastating to me. Um, and I thought to myself at that time, if their marriage isn't going to work out, what do I, why do I think mine will, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a believer then, even though I thought I was. Um, so I. The Lord didn't save me till I was about 30, even though I had made three professions of faith as a, as a teenager and child, uh, had gotten saved and baptized three times. The first time I was five and, uh, my Sunday school teacher asked who, which ones of you don't want to go to hell? We're like, ah, oh, that'd be me. <laughs> so my dad talked about hell a lot. So I didn't want to go there. So I got saved and baptized. And then at 13, I had a, uh, youth experience out on a, you know, retreat and I came back and got saved and baptized again and then you know I was 18 years of age and I was on a youth group uh, ministry uh, experience in Tuba Arizona I think it was I was driving my youth director's car and one of the lady sponsors was sitting next to me my youth director was in the back with my boyfriend it was a station wagon and uh, I had just taken my seatbelt off I told the her name was Donna I said this is really uncomfortable took my seatbelt off and I'm not sure what happened. The call, the cars were recalled the next year because they, uh, the steering mechanism locked at a high speed. And so I don't know what happened, but the next thing I know, we're going uh, into the ravine and we tumbled two or three times. The car ended up upside down. Uh, the driver's seat was completely smashed and I ended up in the back seat which really saved my life. The highway patrol said if I had been seat belted in, I would have been killed. So that whole experience really shook me up at the age of 18. You can only imagine when you see your life flashing before you. My brother, who's 16 months younger, he was in a van in front of us in a group of people and they held his head down because they, they didn't think any of us would survive. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want my brother, Johnny, to have that in his mind. And so uh, I miraculously survived that accident. And so that really shook me up. So I came back home from that and got saved and baptized again. But I really, it's very strange. You would think with the gospel being presented so much to me as it was, but I still didn't understand it. I really never understood the concept of my sin until later on in life. So my sin actually just got worse and worse. Um, I went off to Moody Bible Institute where I met my husband the first day of school. Phil Johnson was his roommate. And uh, Phil Johnson went to my dad's church and my dad had baptized him. And 
he said, my pastor's daughter's coming here to go to school and I want you to date her because she tends to get in with the wrong crowd. So, uh, and when I did, I was, I was, you know, I did get in with the wrong crowd. So, um, but I just, my sin just kept getting worse and worse. I had a terrible temper. Um, I had an enormous amount of fears. I, I was afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. And um, then after marriage, marriage didn't even help. My sin became worse. And so, uh, in fact, the night before we got married, my husband almost called the wedding off because he began to wonder if I was truly regenerated. So um, the first 10 years of our marriage were rough um, because of me, not him. And so at the age of 30, the Lord, and that's another story in itself, but at the age of 30, the Lord really opened my eyes and uh, I really saw myself as a sinner. And it was, uh, there was a remarkable change. And when I called my parents to tell them I was going to be baptized for the fourth and final time, they, uh, my mother, especially, she said she wasn't surprised. She'd seen changes in me. So um, anyway, that was, that was kind of my upbringing and an experience, you know, with the gospel, but I, it never changed me. The gospel is supposed to be transforming, but it never transformed me. And because I didn't understand it, um, you know, God has to open our eyes to see. And I just, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see, I was pretty self-righteous and thought I was a pretty good girl and, you know, I was a bit minister's daughter and, you know, I knew the language. And so I, I was a lot like the hypocrites, the Pharisees. I, I looked good outwardly, but inwardly I was not, I was full of hypocrisy and deceit. So I'm very thankful that was 36 years ago that the Lord saved me. Yeah. Very indebted to his grace. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we all are right. And, and just to show, yes. to show us like, especially for people who um, might be listening and, you know, they grew up in a Christian home just because you are, you grow up in a Christian home doesn't mean that you're saved or just because, you know, your father is a pastor, like you're automatically saved or you have some special treatment from the Lord, uh, you know, uh, or special place in the Lord's, uh, you know, kingdom, just because you, you know, you are the daughter of a minister and just to show that it is the Lord who saves. It is the Lord who the only one who can, you know, do that heart surgery, give us a new heart, change the heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Um, and there is nothing we can do, right? I mean, how many times did you go up and like, you know, <laughs> like pray the prayer and, you know, and say that you wanted to be saved and it was out of fear of hell. So not even just because you are afraid of hell doesn't mean, you know, just because you pray the prayer that you're automatically saved, you know, fear of hell doesn't save anyone. Um, that's great, you know, that you might, you don't want to end up there, but there has to be a true repentance and then acknowledge, you know, acknowledge your sins. And there has to be, Mm -hmm. if you don't see any changes, like you said, I didn't see any changes. My sins just continue to grow and there were no evidence of true uh, saving faith. Um, So can you describe yourself um, before Christ? Uh, All those times that you just went up to, you know, and said, uh, oh, I want, I want to accept the Lord. I want to, you know, to be saved. Uh, Like, how will you describe your life before Christ? Uh, Before Christ, I was very um, sad all the time. Uh, My husband remembers after we started dating, uh, seeing a picture on my wall that just was a a picture of a girl crying. So I was uh, very sad all the time, Uh, lonely, Uh, felt very empty, 
even though I was surrounded by brothers and sisters and a big family, um, but a very unhappy child. Um, I remember my parents taking me to Disneyland when I was 18. And uh, somebody came up to me, one of the workers and said, why don't, why don't you smile? You never smile, you know, are you not happy? So I was a very unhappy person, but of course, without Christ, you would be. So yeah. when you're trying to work your way, you know, when you're trying to do works of righteousness without the heart, uh, it is a very unhappy lifestyle. So I would say I was a very unhappy child um, and very needy. I guess I always wanted a, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. <clears throat> um, so I, I would say I was uh, and a loner. I was a little bit of a loner. Um, kind of looked at it at school as a, they knew I was a preacher's kid. So I was kind of shunned in some ways. Um, but I was very separated from my peers. I didn't like going to school and being around, even though I wasn't a Christian, I didn't like the gangs that were involved in drugs and, and the women, the girls that got pregnant out of wedlock. I didn't, I shunned that kind of stuff, but it was more of a pharisaical type thing. And, um, so just pretty much of a loner and stay in my bedroom a lot. And, um, I would say I would describe myself as very unhappy. <laughs> so that's uh, probably a good description. Yeah. And how, at what point in your life then did you see or was the moment of you um, understanding you standing before the Lord, that you were not saved, that you're like, yeah not and it was it was a very interesting chain of events i my husband was pastoring a church and um he'd been there about seven years so he took his first pastor he was 23 i think i was 21 so uh he'd maybe been there about five years five six years anyway um i as i mentioned my sin was just getting worse and worse and it was the guilt of my sin was becoming very um challenging because i was you know, church had to act this way, at home acted a different way, outside acted a different way. And uh, so the burden was heaping up and I was feeling very heavy. And um, so at the age of 30, the Lord in his kindness inflicted me with severe pain in, in my upper abdomen area. And it was horrible. And not along with that for two weeks, nonstop vomiting. And um, we, uh, we went, we couldn't figure out, we went to the doctor in that town, couldn't figure out, so then we went to a major city, came back, and we had all kinds of tests run, and uh, anyway, two of those weeks, I was in isolation. I could not see my children. I couldn't see my husband. Uh, back then, there was no cell phones in that day, so I really had no access to social media. I wasn't a TV watcher, so it was very, when you're two weeks laying flat on your back in a hospital bed with the only person I saw was my doctor who was an elder in our church. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. And so I laying there for two weeks and not seeing my kids except through a hospital window when they were little, that just was a very humbling time. And the Lord used that to humble me and to, I had to do some soul searching. And I really began to look at my life and realize that I was living a life of hypocrisy and I was a wretch and a sinner. And during that process of time, the Lord opened my eyes and 
I saw myself for who I truly was. And I mean, it was like a flood of sin, you know, just everything I'd ever done flashing before me. So I repented and I remember actually mourning over my sin. I never had mourned over my sin at all. So I had a lot of um, asking forgiveness, especially from my husband and making restitution with people. And uh, I was actually, after I got home, I was six more weeks on my back uh, before I could resume activity and parenting my children and stuff. So uh, right soon after that, um, my husband, uh, we moved to California where he was in the first graduating class at the master seminary in the late eighties. So uh, that was a good time for me, a refreshment time and was discipled by Elizabeth George, who was part of the head of sim wives, seminary wives at that time and sang in the choir there. And I just, uh, so those were kind of my first years as a Christian. And then we moved back to Oklahoma and, um, and my husband baptized me. So uh, for the fourth and final time, <laughs> so, <laughs> in the last so uh, <laughs> it was quite the journey and, and he would, he would tell you that's when my life changed and that it was so incredible because we were out there and uh, he was at seminary all day. The kids were in school and um, I was so hungry for the Bible. And before I'd never been hungry, I just would read it because I knew I was supposed to as a pastor's wife or pastor's daughter, but I was never hungry. So I just could not put it down. And I started memorizing books of the Bible due to my husband's um, encouragement so I would do that, and I found a gal in Sim Wives. Her husband's going to seminary, too, and we'd get together, and we'd uh, quote verse, verses together, and I got my husband's commentaries out. I was just, I wanted to understand the Bible. I was so hungry, mm-hmm. and uh, that hunger still has not been quenched, but <laughs> anyway, so um, that was the beginning of a journey for me, just to love the Bible and want to know the Bible and and uh, so it, it was, it was life transforming. There was a definite change in my life and, and fear and anger. And, you know, uh, those became less and less. And um, I'm very thankful for the joy of having two women that have discipled me now for 30 years. And um, they helped me in those areas where I needed some sanctifying and still are being a blessing to me after all these years. So that was a, a very helpful time so anyway yeah and so that's when you finally saw the true change right because that's what the gospel oh, yeah. you said right the gospel that's is my, yeah and that's life. what my husband would tell you I changed that's what my mother would say she saw the changes and uh you know my father was very encouraging uh, with the whole process but um there was definitely a, a radical change so and it's yeah, amazing because it's evident to those around you you know and and that's what it would like, what do people say about us as believers? Are we reflecting the world? Like, are we living like the world or have we been truly transformed? And that should be uh, evident to everyone uh, around. Right, yeah. right, right. So anyway, I, I'm really thankful for God's kindness. I, you know, I think about all those people that are deceived right up till the day of judgment. When he says, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What a horrifying time. And so um, I'm so thankful. There's so many passages in the scriptures. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be, be not deceived about this, God, you know. And so I'm thankful that God lifted the blinders off my eyes. And um, I'm sure my husband prayed for me often during that time 
as he certainly had a um, probably a big burden to bear with me. And uh, I caused a lot of difficulty in our marriage because of my temper and uh, all the other things that went on. So anyway, he was a very uh, patient man with me. <laughs> so. so now that you're mentioning about your husband, how did you guys meet? And um, tell us about that, about you guys meeting, coming together, uh, and then to the point of getting married. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, I went to Moody Bible Institute. Phil Johnson, uh, who's the director of Grace to You, was his roommate. And um, he mentioned that I was coming. My, he said, my pastor's daughter, my dad baptized Phil, I think when he was 16. And so uh, he said, my pastor's daughter's coming up here. She tends to get in the wrong crowd. I want you to missionary date her. So I met Doug the first day of school. And two weeks later, we started dating. And a year later, we were married. And so that's how I met him. And um, yeah, he was, uh, he was going to, you know, Moody at that time. And then eventually after pastoring a little bit, he went out to master's and graduated in first you know, class out there. But so we've been, he's pastor, he church uh, planted three churches. We were married uh, six days shy of 46 years. And the Lord took him home uh, last year on August 17th. So been, I've been widowed now for about a year and a little over a year. So he was a good man and loved the Lord, loved his word and, and uh, taught me a lot. I'm very thankful that the Lord gave him to me for 47 years. If you count the one year we dated. So, wow. So, yeah. and he was a believer when you guys met, but you were not right. You thought, right. I was, but yeah. Yeah, I thought I was. And he, as I said, he began to see that I probably wasn't. So, and how was that like him noticing that you, you were not probably saved? Um, My temper, there definitely my temper. I would become enraged often. And uh, even the night of our rehearsal, um, I wanted to go through it a second time and he didn't want to. And so all the pictures of me at our rehearsal dinner I are me like with my hands folded just with anger you know so I had a temper he was beginning to get a little bit concerned about that and Mm -hmm. um, he did not grow up in a Christian home but his girlfriend's mother shared the gospel with him when he was 16 and he'd never heard such a I mean he had never heard such great news and so at the age of 16 uh, he became a believer and was radically transformed Mm -hmm. and um, you know shared the gospel with his parents and, and his family and was ostracized many times for it. So his dad even told him one day, he said, don't ever bring up the name of Jesus in this house again. So, um, so we came from very two different backgrounds. He came from a pagan home and I came from a, a, you know, believing home. My father, you know, where, where the Lord was preeminent. And so, yeah, so it was, uh, made for, made for some good, uh, good differences in our marriage so yeah just to see how interesting it is like the two different backgrounds and yet you know like he didn't grow up in a christian home and he gets saved <laughs> first you mm-hmm. know i mean it's just to see that the way that the lord works it's, it's amazing it, it's yeah it is so it is salvation is of the lord for sure <laughs> yeah how old were you guys when you guys got married i was uh 19 and he was 21 Okay. So now thinking about your marriage, you know, you guys go into marriage and 
you're not a believer. Um, and how, how was that for you guys? I, I mean, you're a non-believer, you know, an unbelieving wife and here he is, you know, a believer husband. Can you describe or share with us, you know, what marriage was like be, before we're, you were saved and then after you were, you know, you were saved and yeah. Uh, before I was saved, he was always the same. My husband was a very patient man. Um, so he was always the same. He was a student of the Bible and theology and he would read, I mean, I mean, I don't know how many hours a day, 12, 14 hours a day, he would read and study and preach. So he, he remained the same. He was a good dad and great husband. But I, on the other hand, was deceptive. I was angry. I, um, you know, had many things I was doing that he wasn't aware of. And so I just created a lot of uh, turmoil in our marriage. And I would uh, want to fight and he wouldn't fight. He would say, I'm not going to talk to you until you calm down. So you need to calm down which would just make me more angry, but he still wouldn't show up for a fight. He wouldn't, he wouldn't entertain arguing with me. So um, I would say the first 10 years, we, um, you know, we, we were together and all that, but I think I tolerated him. I think he was truly devoted to me, but I tolerated him. And then after the Lord saved me, my whole attitude changed about marriage and submission I wasn't submissive to him at all I mean probably some but not very much until the Lord saved me so that changed my temper my deception all everything it just took some things were instant some things took were instantly I stopped but some took a little more time like especially my fears I had to really work on those I was afraid of everything afraid of thunderstorms afraid of frying afraid of breast cancer. I was afraid of everything. And so, um, but that took some time that took some, as, a, as Paul says, we're transformed from glory to glory, even it's by the spirit of the Lord. So I took a little bit of time, but, uh, he was a very patient man, even through that process. So, uh, our marriage after Christ was very different. I loved, uh, being with him. I loved asking him, theological questions, Bible questions. I loved ministering with him. Uh, I loved opening our home to uh, people in our church body. We would do a lot of hospital visits together and discipling and counseling. And, mm -hmm. and so I loved all that. I miss, I miss that a lot now. And so um, we just had, I would say for then the last, the last 36 years of our marriage was really good in that we had a very good companionship, friendship, camaraderie and ministry. And um, I really just wanted to be, help him in the shepherding of the flock by helping him with the women and things like that. So, yeah. 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 And can you talk a little bit more about also like just you guys' ministry, like how were you guys, uh, how were you both involving your church? Uh, how were you both serving your, yeah, your church, the church body, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we usually had everybody over for dinner at some point. Uh, anytime we'd have visiting couples and they would come back, visiting families or couples, if they would come back two or three times, and eventually we would have them over for supper. So we did a lot of, our home was kind of like a revolving door. We had people in and out almost every day. Either uh, I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one discipling, which I still do, and he did discipling. We started discipling couples together. We do premarital counseling. So our home was just an open door for people. 
So we did a lot of that together and, uh, you know, hospital visitations and, you know, we just, we'd host gatherings in our home. We, uh, the home we used to live in before this one, we had a swimming pool. So every week we'd have the moms bring their children over for a swim. And, you know, so we just, our home was just given to the hospitality really. And so hardly a day went by that somebody wasn't in our home that wasn't a family member. So um, anyway, we just, we enjoyed ministering together. We both office out of the home. I had a, we both had offices in the home. So we were pretty much home, um, you know, throughout the day. We might go out for various appointments, but um, we, we were at home. So we would talk and interact throughout the day and things like that. So um, yeah, so it was, it was a good, it was a good deal. And now so, that you said that he passed away a year and a half, right? A year and let's see, September, October, a year and two months ago, mm -hmm. so just a little over a year. So how, uh, um, how has ministry changed for you um, now that, you know, that your husband have passed away or has it changed in any way? Yeah, it's changed quite a bit. I miss it a lot. I thoroughly loved being a pastor's wife. So I miss that a lot. Um, and so it has changed. I lost my pastor. I lost my husband and I lost my role as pastor's wife in one day. So that was a lot to take. Um, but the Lord has been faithful, sustain me and help me. And so I am working on thinking about what I'm thankful for and grateful for instead of what I don't have. And so, um, it's changed a lot. My home is not a revolving door anymore. I still have a lot of people in and out for discipleship, counseling, just women, of course. Um, I have had a few couples over for dinner. It's a little awkward, but trying to, trying to get over that. Um, I'm not home very much because I travel so much now. I, uh, by the time this year is over, I will have been out 31 times for speaking engagements. And next year, I think there's 34 on the calendar already. So I'm gone almost every weekend speaking somewhere. So that's changed a lot. I couldn't have done that with him being still here. Um, and so the, my life has changed that now, as the Bible says, an unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord, how she may please the Lord. So my life now is just given over to uh, discipling, counseling, studying, writing, speaking. And I still had the women's ministry up in my church, but, um, I mean, I give, I fill my days now, like tonight I have a discipling or a counseling appointment, I think on the phone. And whereas before I wouldn't do that, I would always stop around three o'clock, make our supper, be together, be with him as much as, you know, he wanted to. And, but now I just, my, my days are mine in the sense that I can plan what I want to do. So I would say it's changed a lot in that I'm doing more ministry than I used to do. It's changed a little bit. It's not ministry with my husband or for my husband. It's all just whatever needs to be done as far as helping other women. So it's pretty, yeah, I would say I'm maybe a little bit busier now that he's gone. So. But it's good. I'm thankful the Lord's given me something to do for the kingdom. So, um, and I am very involved in my church too. So. So how, how are you, so now that you, you said it, right, like um, you don't have your, you're no longer a pastor's wife and he was your pastor. So how has your ministry at church changed also? <laughs> how are you? Yeah, still? it's, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't used to running things by 
since he was one of the elders, I would just ask him stuff. Now I have to go to our elders and ask, you know, for certain things or should, can we do this? Can we not do that? So that's different for me. Um, it's, it's challenging, not, you know, he, he was my teacher for 40 some years in the pulpit. So that's a little bit challenging. We are right now looking for a pastor. So, um, we have an elder who's teaching right now and doing a really good job, but uh, we're looking for a pastor. So um, it, yeah, it's changed a lot. It, it, it was very awkward at church for the longest time. I had a hard time going to church and just feeling very sad on the drive there because mm -hmm. we would always share. And then after church, we would share on the way home and figure out who we we're going to have for dinner that week. So that took some adjustment. So what I started doing, because I was having such a difficult time getting in the car and going to church every Sunday without him, I started working on um, just using that time to memorize scripture to fill my mind with something other than feeling sorry for myself. And, you know, sitting without him now, not, I don't sit where he, you know, I mean, we're not sitting together. So that was a, an adjustment. Um, it's, it's an adjustment. So, but I'm getting there, you know, it just takes time. And I would say things are far better than they were in the beginning. There were many times I, could, I couldn't, make it through a song service without crying and and that that doesn't happen hardly at all anymore so certain songs would bring back memories and be difficult but um i would say that's much much better now and so it's just challenging so trying to find my role as a single woman in the church and i you know what it's given me a lot of empathy for the women in my church who are married to unbelievers or the women who are single the women who are divorced we have several widows in my church too. So um, I think I have more of a ministry now with them and and have more compassion for what they go through just being living alone. It's very challenging living alone. And so I hopefully I have more compassion for them and um, you know, try to get with them more often and do things together. Yeah. But what a blessing that you can still continue to serve the Lord, you know, and spend your time in in that way right because it would be really right. just uh, spend the time just doing nothing and not making the most of the time you know in ministry and especially that time now that the lord has given you you know which is more yeah i've met a lot of widows who are stuck and i i don't want to i remember right after doug passed away i was speaking somewhere and i met two widows both they had lost their husbands a year ago and one was joyful happy reaching out, I mean, just radiated Christ. The other one told me she hadn't read her Bible in a year. She was mad at God. She was angry. I remember leaving there and telling the lady that travels with me, I go, I don't want to be like that. I, I want to glorify God in my widowhood. And that was a real, that was only a few weeks after he passed. And I thought, boy, I have, I have two choices. I can either be bitter and angry, or I can be uh, content and joyful and move forward and I determined then I was not gonna I was not gonna do the other and so um that's been a, that was a real I'm thankful I that the Lord showed me that you know he just that was a picture that I will not forget <laughs> yeah and I want to glorify God in my widowhood and I know a lot of widows get stuck and they can't seem to move on and um, I don't think that's honoring to the Lord. I mean, I, I, we all grieve and grieve differently. And 
and all that. And I still grieve. I mean, we're getting ready to have, you know, the holidays and I miss him terribly. He was the life of the party for my family, my kids and my grandchildren. I miss him terribly, but I cannot allow that what God has ordained, whatever God ordains is right. I cannot allow that to cause me to become bitter or discontent. So I, I really feel for people that can't move on in what God allows. So, yeah. And uh, or, uh, before you were mentioning that you're going to be traveling a lot, just uh, speaking at different places. So can you tell, tell us a little bit more about that? Where are you going to be speaking and uh, what are these conferences? Yeah. About um, let's see. I uh, well, I have two more this year. One in Florida, and actually one in my home state, which isn't very often that I speak in my home state. So you know, a prophet is not without honor in their own country. So I usually don't speak much in Oklahoma. So, uh, but next year, let's see. I've got it right here. I start out Indiana, Wisconsin, Louisiana, Oregon, Georgia, North Carolina, Nebraska, Missouri, Florida, Idaho, California, Illinois, Mississippi, Ohio. Massachusetts, Missouri, Colorado, California, uh, Arizona. Do you really want to hear all this? <laughs> Where in California are you going to be? Uh, I'll be in Costa Mesa. I'll be in Vacaville. And I think I've got another one. I think I might have three in California. But yeah, you know, I've been to every state now in the U.S. except for, I think, four. Mm. And so, in the and, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years. And so... Um, I've been to every state in the U.S. but four to speak, and I think five or six international countries. So um, some of them, three of them, third world countries, India, Honduras, and uh, Kenya. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I'm hoping before I die to make it to those last four states. (laughs) That's just a personal thing, not not a thus says the Lord. So really if, where can people find out more about the conferences in case that they're in one of those states that you're going to be um they can get on my website with the and uh there's my speaking schedule and if they're on instagram or facebook there's usually something there too but yeah with the master.org has um all my speaking is on there but yeah we get around it's uh I, yeah, it's amazing. The Lord's using the lady that travels with me. She's five years older than I am. So, um, but we, the Lord's given us energy and the wherewithal to do what he's called us to do. And I'm very thankful. So I'll just keep doing it till I can't, can't anymore. I think Elizabeth Elliott was early seventies when she had to finally stop because of, uh, I think she was getting a little bit of dementia, but um, anyway, I've just hoped to keep I want to go out in a blaze of glory. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things my daughter has said, mom, why do people as they age lose their zeal for Christ? And I said, honey, I don't know. That's not good. They should, that should be, these should be my best years really for ministry. So I hope that I can do that. You know, just keep faithful, keep going till the end. So until the Lord gets us out. (laughs) Do what? But you're also an author, so you you have uh, written a series of like uh, books and title with the master, right? Yeah, and- I've written sixteen uh, Bible studies for women, expository Bible studies. Eight are published, and the ninth one's getting ready to come out this month, I think. First Peter. Um, so I've written sixteen Bible studies for women and seven other like booklets, counseling helps, things like that. So okay, and they can just find kind of more practical things. Do what? And they can find that on the website as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, they can. 
All right. So and the Lord's I, given me a good life and I'm very thankful uh, for his provision. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Again, what a blessing. All those different ways to minister to women. And uh, you and I were talking earlier about the conference that I had the opportunity to join you guys uh, over the summer. And it's the Open Hearts and uh, a, a Closed World Conference, uh, which is by our dear friend, Brooke Bartz, uh, which is phenomenal. And I mean, all the videos are still there. So you guys did such an amazing, um, you know, just a, such an amazing job just um, walking us through the word of gosh. So, and I, I mean, I was paying attention to the comments and everything and just seeing all the ladies excited about it and just how, how much of a blessing this ministry is to all of them. So that's also mm -hmm. available on the YouTube channel for, yeah. And you were one of the speakers over the summer as well. Yeah, yeah. that was a joy. Yeah. Blessing. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so now I'm going to move on to my signature questions and um, <laughs> since you're an author, right? I'm guessing you also love reading books. Uh, so can you uh, just give us some of the books that have been um, helpful for you or some of your favorite books that you have? Read? Sure. Uh, J.C. Ryle's book on holiness is probably one of my favorite. Um, the Art of Divine Contentment by Thomas Watson. Those are both Puritan books, but um, I really do appreciate the Puritans. They have a high view of God and a low view of man, and I'm not much into the modern day books because I feel like a lot of them just appeal to emotionally felt needs and not really elevating um, our savior. So, but I do, I do like J.C. Rowell's writings and Thomas Watson. Anything Thomas Watson writes is very good. Mm -hmm. um, so those would be a couple. I also appreciate the writings of Elizabeth Elliot. She has really ministered to me. She definitely was an older woman in my life for many years. Her writings, her conferences, I would go every time she was nearby, I'd go to her conferences. Mm -hmm. So I'd say anything that she writes is good. Uh, in counseling outside of the Bible, I use a, a Martha Peace's book, The Excellent Wife, is a, is a go-to for marriage. Um, so I've, been, I've used that quite a bit. Um, so those would be probably some of my favorite books that um, I like. Um, I like the Valley of Vision, which is a book of Puritan prayers. I usually read at least one of those a day. Um, again, they have a high view of God, and I, I really like that. They uh, promote worship, I think. Um, so those would be some of my some of my favorites. Yeah, I love the Valley of Vision. It's so yeah. wonderful. Um, it is. Book. I mean, just to, I mean, I don't, I was like, I always say, I don't think I will ever think of this way to pray to the Lord. It's just <laughs> so, and so poetic too. It's just, yeah, like, yes. said, like it brings you to worship the Lord in a way that I wouldn't think about. <laughs> so it's just wonderful. So uh, three things that bring you joy. Do what? Three things that bring you your joy. Oh boy. Three things that bring me joy. That's my middle name, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's, well, definitely my relationship with Christ is the primary source of joy. My family, I have two children who love the Lord. They're both, um, my son's in a, a pastor and my son-in-law is a pastor. So um, my family, my, my children, their spouses and my seven grandchildren bring me great joy. So I'd say, and then, um, I don't know, that's hard. Ministering to women is, is, is a joyful experience. I love to eat. That's <laughs> you know <laughs> you richly to enjoy and that's in the context of food so 
I do enjoy that. I love, and I know I've gone past three. I love to be outside. I love nature. Looking out my window right now in the, the fall, it's just now fall here, so the leaves are turning. So um, I love nature. I love to be outside. So those would be four. I, I, I cheated. <laughs> Don't worry. I've had people doing that too before. I'm like, okay, I give it. Sorry. Yeah. And, you know, uh, our podcast, our focus is to share these testimonies that ultimately point to the one and only Jesus Christ. He is the author of life, He is the author of our salvation. And all the glory is, you know, to Him for our transformed life. So, for anyone who might not be a believer, why is it that we all need Jesus Christ? Why do we need him? I don't know how we live without him. Life without Christ is no life at all. There's no purpose, no meaning, no joy, no peace. Uh, eternally separated from him through all eternity, which is a horror. Um, and so to be, to live with him and with life everlasting is is a joy beyond anything we don't even know eyes not seen or ears heard but god's prepared for those who love him so I was telling my daughter a couple of days ago i wished i could have your dad just for one day and she goes mom he wouldn't want you to bring him back for one day don't bring you know don't even think that he's he won't he doesn't even care i said i know he doesn't care but i do so anyway but i mean i can't even imagine what what joy heaven is going to be and eternity with him and all the saints who've gone before us. I, I look at the world today, so many unhappy people, so many angry people, just like I was before Christ. So many people enslaved to wickedness and sin. It gets worse and worse. And um, to have your sins forgiven, what an amazing thing. To not carry that load of guilt and shame anymore. And to have a clear conscience with God and man. That's a beautiful gift from the Lord that comes only through salvation. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much, Susan, for joining me. It's been such a joy to finally get to know you better. Yeah. You know, we've been like social media friends and uh, connecting through, you know, the conference this summer. And uh, I think it's just so precious to hear the testimonies of um, so many brothers and sisters in Christ, right? It's not only the local church, that it's our church family, but it's everyone else around the world. And it is truly a blessing to to get to know you more now. And yeah. So thank you. so. Well, likewise. Thank yeah. you. Well, before we end, will you mind just uh, closing as in prayer, please? No, not at all. Our Father, we are so very thankful for the joy of knowing you. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who inhabits us. We thank you that we are a part of your building. We are a part of your family. Thank you that you have adopted us. We thank you that one day we will be with you forever with those who also have gone before us and even maybe some that will come after us. We look forward to that day. In the meantime, Lord, I pray that you would help us to occupy till you come, that we would be fruitful and, and useful for the kingdom, that we would be fit for your use. And uh, Lord, that you would use this uh, podcast for your purposes, for your glory, and for the sanctification of those who will listen. We pray these things in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen.